Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. This is our third and final conversation. Well, I shouldn't say final. I hope Margie does come back. But this is our third conversation in our webinar series, our three-part webinar series with Margie, who specializes specifically in helping families go through the grieving process and the various stages associated with grief, in particular as it relates to children and moms living with metastatic disease. So we're continuing the conversation today. Margie helps us understand definitions, which I think is so important because it's really just a foundation to make sure that we are operating with the same lexicon, that we have an appreciation for the terms that we're using, what it means to talk about death, what does death actually mean, how to bring it up in age-appropriate terms as well when talking to our kids. And she gives excellent examples. For example, the death of a bird, the death of a dog, and using everyday examples to normalize and bring to light the transitions of birth and death. So I'm so excited she's here today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. So let's dive right in. like poop you have to let it out right hilarious except for the fact that we are living in a constipated culture and to drive my point home you need to know we have a serious blockage but the remedy for this issue does not require medications or padded rooms although you are going to find plenty of people who want you to believe otherwise you see grief is a natural part of the human experience. Grief is a normal reaction to losing someone or something you love. And the, and the thing here is, it affects literally everyone. It does not matter your race, your religion, your socioeconomics. Grief affects every single demographic, including one we really, really don't like to talk about. Kids. I do think we're a society who's blinded ourselves to the reality of grief and loss and death and children needing to know about these things. My intent in doing this program was to not only highlight things to learn, but also to afford individuals here today to take a moment and think about an exploration. Sometimes that inner child gets wounded through events that happen in our lives, bringing up the topic of when was your first loss? Can you see yourself as this child? Do you remember having adults explain the concept of the death to you? Did you understand what was said to you? Were you able to ask questions and get responses? Or were your questions ignored? So take this information that you've gathered in this brief review of your first loss. As the adult parent, we go through periods in our life 
where we're reparenting that inner child. We can unconsciously repress material from that experience. And by repressing the material, we pattern a way of being that's based on the repressed material. So we're not really living as full whole people. Talking about the concept of death, grief, and all the other facets of loss. Recognizing the more we look at our own life's losses, integrating them into our living, and being open to learning about life, death, and the in-between, the easier it will be to bring death as a topic to discussion with our children early on in their lives. How early on do you recommend? Do you have some examples? Starting when children are very young, through our conversational dialogue, using everyday occurrences, the dead bird, the worm, the rabbit, the gerbil, or even the death of a beloved family member or neighbor, our children will come to an understanding that although death can be a sad event, they will have supportive adults who will listen to their concerns. So normalizing the conversation, letting children know that birth and life and death are all natural occurrences. Can you give us some terminology to use, perhaps some definitions to make sure that we all are working and operating with the same lexicon? The definition of death for adults is the end of life, the cessation of vital body functions, no breathing, no heartbeat, and brain death. The components of death are its uh, universality, it's all-encompassing, inevitable, unpredictable. It's irreversible. Once the physical body dies, it can't be made alive again. It's non-functionality, understanding once a living thing dies, the capacity of the living physical walking, eating, hearing cease. There's research on the question of non-corporal aspects, spirits and angels continuing after death. And it's important to know that the adult concept of death itself, upon which the children develop their concepts, needs further specification and validation. Um, There's many people, clinicians, myself included, who do believe in an afterlife. There's some that don't. Thank you for that thorough explanation. How do you define grief? So grief is the internal meaning given to the experience of loss. And mourning is described by Alan Wofeld as taking the grief and expressing it outside of ourselves without repression, inhibition, or pretense. It's involving public rituals, funerals, wakes, candle lightings, and other services. You remind me also of this concept of anticipatory grief, right? This idea that we're going to lose someone. So for example, my parents are still alive. I'm quite fortunate and love them to death. And I fear that I'm going to lose them. The rational side of me knows that they're going to die. As we talked about earlier, life is is natural and end of life is natural and happens to everybody. But then there's this gnawing of the anticipation that I'm going to lose somebody. There's also this anticipatory grief amongst our friends, right? The ones in our breast cancer community who are living with metastatic disease for which there is yet still no cure. And so there's this anticipation that, oh gosh, at the next scan or at the next update, or if I scroll through social media, what am I going to find out? 
There's this terrible sense of anticipation. Anticipatory grief and mourning. Eric Linderman uh, coined this phrase, the process a family undergoes before the actual death of a family member occurs as a result of a life-limiting illness or a terminal diagnosis. Anticipatory grief is all the thoughts, feelings, changes, and reactions a person and their family may feel when expecting a death. It is on a continuum. The grief that occurs before the death is in contrast to grief after death, which is conventional grief. And there are studies that are being done now that say those of us who have anticipatory grief, we do much better after the death of a loved one because we've been walking the journey journey all along. Anticipatory grief is a grief that's not discussed and includes the loss of a companion, the loss of physical well-being, changing roles in the family, financial changes, the loss of dreams of what could be. And as a marriage and family therapist that believes in systems in the family, it doesn't occur in isolation. All the family members are experiencing some form of anticipatory grief. The adult caregivers understanding their anticipatory grief and mourning. Uh, Many times there will be shifts in responsibilities, making the day-to-day adjustments, the emotional ups and downs, which can be a mixed bag, seeing the changes in their partner's condition and experiences. There's a need to let go, but they say, well, if I let go, does that mean I'm giving up? And the caregiver may vacillate within themselves. Is it a lack of loyalty? Is it, is a, am I giving up hope? The downside is the caregiver misses the opportunity to process the day-to-day losses along the way. We can hold on hope at the same time we hold on the reality that my mother, my sister, my brother is losing energy or is becoming more tired. And this is actually a source from a a letter from your caregiver. So the caregiver piece is also so important. I'm glad you addressed that. And you also said in the research, you're noticing that people who have anticipatory grief actually cope better after the loss of a loved one. Can you explain that a little bit more? So here are some of the benefits of anticipatory grief and mourning. Provides a way to find meaning in the life lived, living in the presence of death. So it's that moment, I'm alive now, I'm breathing now. And I love the book, A Man's Search for Meaning. If people haven't read it, Viktor Frankl, it's, it's beautiful. It provides a space for the dying to heal emotionally, clarify misunderstandings, and prepare for the social adjustments that may come. And for families, this period is an opportunity to engage in meaningful activities, reconcile differences, and give and grant forgiveness, and also gives us a chance to say goodbye. When my brother was dying, he did have to go to the hospital and The sisters, um, my mom and dad had already died. 
So my sisters and I gathered and we went to the hospital. It was so sweet. I was remembering, reflecting on it, how we had sat in a circle with him and he was in such a state of peace. And I remember each one of us, we we realized he was getting tired. It was time for us to go. He didn't have to ask us. And we all went up and we gave him a hug. It was so beautiful to recognize that the peace was filling the room and that our goodbye was peaceful. There's a book that I highly recommend. It's called The Four Things That Matter Most, and it's written by Ira Bayok. He's a palliative care physician, and his book is loaded with his experiences in working with individuals who have life-limiting illnesses. And there are four phrases that are really the, the foundation of his book. On his, he says, this is a book about living, not about dying and death. And his concept is these four phrases are things we need to use on a regular basis with those we love. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. Bayak says practicing these in our day-to-day experiences will clear a path for emotional wellness, guides us through the dense growth of any difficulties, to live consciously, filled with integrity and grace. And it will help us forgive, appreciate, love, and celebrate one another more fully. Margie, I really appreciate you spending all of this time with us in a three-part series, helping us understand grief, how to communicate with our children, identifying age-appropriate ways to have those difficult conversations. So this has been wonderful. I am so glad that we have this toolkit, these resources. We will definitely be sharing all of them on our website and in our weekly newsletters. So for all of you who are listening, if you don't already subscribe, please hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org. Check out our website, all of the amazing resources that we have for all stages of those diagnosed with breast cancer, their families, caregivers, and their children. In particular, we are launching a program. Actually, we have launched a program, Mornings with Kyla. It is a virtual support group where we offer just a virtual space for all of us to gather and talk about what it is as adolescents, as teenagers, as young adults, seeing a loved one like your mother or a parent go through a breast cancer diagnosis. All there for you at survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you would like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, you can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.